0: Hi, Monique here from the Mamma Mia podcast network. Normally in this feed is where you'd find episodes of Mamma Mia out loud, but today we've got something new that I think you might like. It's a new podcast and it's for any woman that's looked at another woman and thought, I don't know how she does it. It's called, I don't know how she does it. Creative, right? It's conversations with some of the busiest women we know with all the tips and strategies on how they get through the day without dropping all the balls. This episode is with the delightful Annabelle Crabb, political journalist, writer, columnist, author, and mother of three. She talks about how she gets it all done in a day. We've put it in the feed today as a preview, but for more episodes, subscribe. It's called I Don't Know How She Does It, and you'll find it in iTunes, on SoundCloud, or in your podcast app. And for more information and to show your support for all of our podcasts, go to the Mamma Mia podcast Facebook page, which is Mamma Mia Out Loud in Facebook. Bye.
1: Hello, welcome to I Don't Know How She Does It. My name is Sarah MacDonald and this podcast for the Mamma Mia Women's Network is brought to you by Combank's Start Smart program. Now, this is a podcast for anyone who is sat at home eating breakfast cereal for dinner while typing away for some work and looking at other women on the TV and thinking, how does she do that? Today we're going to find out how Annabelle Crab does it. She's a political journalist and a writer for the ABC and the kitchen goddess who also presents Kitchen Cabinet on TV. Her book had a solution to this doing-it-all thing. It was called The Wife Drought, Why Women Need Wives and Men Need Lives. She has three young children and she's with me now. Good morning. Hello. So every podcast we do has um, sick child, sick husband, (laughs) sick um, friend, sick... Parent
2: or some problem. You got one today you'd like to put out on the table straight yeah, away? Yeah, yeah. My kid has bronchitis. Um, he's not infectious. So I've sent him to school. He's, only, he's in week three of this cough, I've taken him to the doctor a few times. Ah, that's the thing with the bronchitis. It sounds terrible. Not much you can do about it, except weirdly enough, boil something in their rooms at night. Okay, good. So Moisture. So we
1: need moisture. And uh, have you found a uh, a wife yet since you've written the No, book?
2: I've recruited widely. <laughs> I've had a few offers, but not all of them have been strategically acceptable to my partner. So, <laughs> well, look, to <laughs> be honest, you know, um, I kind of make this argument about how women need ro- wives. I make it a bit archly because it's just yeah. sort of, I'm just kind of bouncing off what I hear from all of the um women that I know who occasionally say, God, if I had a wife, all this would be simpler. And what we're thinking, what we mean by that is if only I could, you know, if if it was somebody else's responsibility to pick up all this stuff because, I mean, the stuff that drives you crazy in the end is um, is not – having a family, which is the most lovely thing ever, and it's not having a job which is, you know, fulfilling in other ways. It's when the two of them are in constant yammering competition and you have this sort of sharp guilt feeling about, what your efforts in one sector are doing to your capacities to in the other. other, right? Yeah,
1: that's what we want to talk about, just yeah. how we sort of manage that. And everyone has very different ways yep. of doing it. And no one is right, that's and no right. one is wrong, but we're just interested in your Also, so- no one
2: is right or wrong to aspire to one more than the other sure. at any time, I mm. think, you know, and that's the, the mistake I think we make sometimes um, is to kind of assign a value to either of those pursuits. Because it's a human tendency, do you know what I mean, to to defend the arrangement you've made yourself, yeah. you know, and you hear it all the time, right? When that often comes from insecurity, though, doesn't it? Right. Well, of course. I but think. I mean, these are the most personal issues you can possibly ever have. Mm. You know, the decisions that I've made about my children and my job and how it all works out. Like they are really, really personal, wrenching decisions, and it's why. You know, you, you hear all of these sorts of narratives from the spectrum of well, I put my children into childcare five days a week and it's great for them and they love it. You know, too. Um, well, I would never do that because um, I want my children to have exclusive access and care from me, and that is a very important part of their childhood. So. In between, you tend to hear a spectrum of um, yeah. uh, variations and of how we all muddle yeah, right. and how
1: we get it through. So, let's hear a bit of your spectrum. What time right. do you start in the day? Are you like a 4 a.m. get up and um, do an hour's meditation time? No, look, woman? I
2: don't. And I would really like to. And at various points in my life, I've tried to get out for a run or do things like that in the morning. I, my children get up early and I like to be slightly ahead of the ball. Like, I really like to be, you know, up slightly before them so I can get stuff together. But I would say probably up about usually 6.30 Mm -hmm. most mornings.
1: And when you say you're ahead of them, what do you do with that little bit of time you're ahead of them?
2: Oh, just sort of school lunches, um, making sure that all the dishes are clear, you know, that there's a kind of kitchen that will work for three children, (laughs) kind of having breakfast. Um, I will make sure I've got a cup of tea made because I don't... Start without that being in my hand, and then I'll probably have three more before the school run. So, really? yeah, yeah, I hammer them down. It's terrible. I don't drink coffee. Coffee makes me anxious, but I drink a lot of tea. Four, four before. Oh school. yeah, easy, wow. easy. I can't. I will have now. This is this is getting ridiculous, personal. So I'll do um. Uh. And in in between this, I'm trying to work out what's going on as well. Like, so I will um, generally listen to um, 7am news on Radio National and then AM from 7.10 to 7.30. Then I'll listen to Fran's interview and then at eight. Forty-five. I will normally go and have a shower, or sometimes it'll be eight, 8 a.m. So I can hear the next a.m. Like I like to have things. You got going a radio on. in your shower? Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Okay. So you have a strict shower schedule so you can I hear. I do, a radio so program. that I can
2: hear it. Because often with the early episode of a.m. at seven on Radio National, I will be listening to it, but I will also have three children there. The middle one of whom is yelling, "I don't want to listen to the government." <laughs> I don't like the government and they they define the government as anything mummy does for work Mine just much. talk
1: over the top of it and yeah, you can never of yeah. Exactly. And, so,
2: um, and quite often I will have a cup of tea next to the shower as well so I'll be just banging that down while I'm washing because <laughs> <laughs> multitasking is the secret, right? You
1: are multitasking. Mm. You're an octopus. Yeah. Okay, so you have your strict shower schedule, yeah. your four cups of tea which you mainline. Yeah. You've done the school lunches. Yeah. Um, how many are at school? Two. Tour at school, mm-hmm. so you get two off for school.
2: Yep. yep, and then what? And then I'll normally jump the train into um, the ABC, which the station's right next to the school, which is one of nature's great design. Hang on, accidents what happens for me to
1: the, ba- to the younger? To okay, your youngest so
2: I'm um, on. So she's two, my youngest, and we uh, have her in full daycare two days a week. Uh, and then the other three, we have, um, a, an au pair who lives with us and we've done that on and off, um, over the last, God, I don't know, five years or so. Um, and it's, I think it, for us, it's kind of works perfectly because, um, it's kind of a flexible mode of care. It allows me to, um, vacate the scene for 20 minutes you know, at funny hours to go and do a radio interview or something like that, I can. But when I um, when I find myself with some time, the children are there. Like, well, mother mm. little she one is can there. Go and yeah. Do what she Plus, wants, yeah. Um, if I can't do school pick up or something like that, which Fantastic. often happens, mm. then I can ring um, someone and say, "Hey, you know." It's it's the flexibility because my day changes all the time. Yes, because you don't and have a
1: set job that's like nine I don't. to five. So you and need that backup in right. the house. So yeah. I
2: need, you know, someone who can sta- step in while still allowing me maximum access to my kids. Like if I, I guess if I had five days of childcare for Kate, then it would be, you know, I wouldn't have that opportunity to like have lunch with her or, you know, because I work from home sometimes. I work from the ABC when I'm in studio, um, I do a lot of writing, I time shift my work as well. So I quite often will do a couple of hours after the kids go back to bed and that's kind of nice and quiet and that allows me to do things like school pick-up um, more often than I would be able to do it if I had a kind of like set 9-5. So you don't get-
1: have a, 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 a day that's the same ever. Different days nope. are different and they're patchwork days of this yeah. year, there, that there. And,
2: and sometimes yep. I'll be travelling as well, which yeah. means... Um, so you've got the au pair. Right.
1: How do you feel about having someone in your house all yeah. the time?
2: Is that a weird thing look, though? This is the big thing. And I mean, well, there's a lot of questions about um, having someone living in your house. People ask, you know, is it weird? Um, uh, what happens when they're look- not looking after the children? Are you kind of playing snap or whatever? Um, and I guess in the fir- when we first um, had an au pair, it was when I was commuting back and forth to Canberra and I used to drive back and forth with my baby and, um, and, um, this au pair who who'd come with me. She was great, you know, and we had great chats driving back and forth from Canberra and it meant that I could be with my daughter while I was working, yeah. you know, in Canberra. Um, and the truth is I suppose, yeah, like it, I, I suppose it's a bit weird, but we're fortunate in that we have... Um, a house where if the kids share, we've got another room for um, an au pair to live in and it's sort of up the end of the house so there's a little bit of privacy. Um, and I guess we've just been really lucky too with um, the au pairs that have come to live with us. It's just really in, in, independent, enterprising, fun people. Who from,
1: Have you got them from Germany, France? We've,
2: yeah. had German, we've had Germany, we've had Australian, we've had English. And wow. we've got an English girl now. Um, oh, no, they, they bring woman, you the world say, when you never with...
1: get to go outside much. Well, look, <laughs> okay.
2: I just look for adventurers really because, um, uh, you know, I love a bit of a, a person with an enterprising spirit. And, look, these um, people that have lived with us on and off have been massive enrichments to our family, I must say. The kids love having um, someone else to bounce around with. I mean, we are It's – I'm around a lot, you know. It's not like – Um, our au pair is constantly Mm. on our own with the kids or whatever, Um, what I'm looking for is a hand, you know, and um, someone who can kind of backstop when I need to race off and do this for half an hour or, you know, be in at work and then I'm normally there, I cook dinner um, every night pretty much. Um, okay, we're going to get to your cooking. Oh, yeah. You're
1: quite a good cook. We're talking to Annabelle Crab for I Don't Know How She Does It. This is a, a podcast brought to you by Combank's Start Smart program, which is aiming to change the way young le- people learn about finance. It's educational workshops delivered by teachers of money management and aims to give you confidence and competence to make smart decisions about finance. Now, yes, it says, as you said, Annabelle, your day is very much um, a patchwork of, of, of yeah jumping from moment to moment, and you also work in pieces, don't you? You yep. use every scrap of the day, you say, in your book, like an Italian farmer uses all the peak. Right, yeah. So every moment is used and snatched for work that it can?
2: Yeah, and you can look for... There's, there's ways to build extra time into your day, like um, 90% of the time I, I catch public transport in and out of work because I can read, you know, on the way, um, and... I mean, I really like trains anyway, but um, I read on my walk to the train station, I read on the train, I read uh, rather unsafely on the walk from the train station to the ABC. You get bumped into a lot. Well, no, you can develop a sort of a radar. Like if you hold up your book or your device or whatever, like I don't read a broadsheet newspaper or something, but I've got a Kindle that I quite often read, you know. And if you, I don't know, like, It's the next evolutionary level where you can spot people beyond your (laughs) your phone. Here's the thing, you know, one of the hardest things about balancing kind of a demanding job and a demanding family is that you never really get much time to yourself because the time that you get to yourself, you sort of feel guilty about enjoying because you, you think, well, actually, I would prefer to be, you know, with the children or whatever. And I mean, I'm fortunate in that I have a job which has which it 's evolved and partly because i 've evolved it this way, that allows me to kind of juggle and shift and maximize the time that I have with my kids and i you know I often think that if I were working and I had three children in in a, the job that I do ten years ago, I could never have the life that I now have because um communications technology allows me, God, I mean, I can watch question time as I'm walking along, you know, as I'm on the train. That is, um, you know, if I were ever catching a train at 2pm, which I rarely am, but I mean, like, do you know what I mean? It's mm. completely portable in a way that it 10 gives, years ago it wasn't. That, yeah, that and so while sometimes I feel like my head is going to explode from kind of keeping track of all of these kind of patchwork activities. And sometimes I think, God, it would be Amazing, just to have a job that was more predictable, so that I would be able to know, you know, and and not have to kind of bin everything and start again every morning. I do think that the flexibility that that um, that this environment gives me allows me to um, manage those things and gives me a, a like a richer. Mm opportunity to be with my children. Then, I bet
1: that's true and that yeah. and that's completely true. But given that, given you not have got this predictability mm. ability of being at your desk every day from, yeah. say, nine to six, surely sometimes you can reveal when the wheels completely fall out off, when you get your days mixed up oh and where God. the patchwork just completely comes undone like a...
2: Oh, a yeah. bad <laughs> Look, that happens, um, at least once a week, you know, right? it really does. And sometimes I just, like I said, I mean, the physical sensation when you've just like, when one more thing happens, you know, like when you're kind of, your day is right. I'm going to do, I'm going to, um, walk the kids to school and I'll get on the train. And I'll be there, you know, by X time. And then I've got this amount of time to do that. And then I've got to race off to this meeting. And then I've got to write something between the hours of, you know, X and Y. And then when you get a call, either whether it's an extra work thing, or it's a, oh, you know, it's the school here. And you think, oh, my God, (laughs) you know, it's, it's just, your heart stops. Well, you just think, what am I going to do, you know? Um, And Look, I I shouldn't talk about this either, by the way, as if, you know, my partner has nothing to do with this. Um, You know, my partner, who's um, a lawyer, um, works flexibly one day a week, and that day becomes my golden day. Like, you know, he does the, um, walks to school, does reading um, and then picks them up from school. Mm. Um, And
1: he's on standby that day if anything goes wrong.
2: Well, no, he's working, you know, um, but it's a half day. So he's basically working from, you know, sort of 9.30 to 2.30 or something like that. Um, But he is the person in charge of the kids that day, which means... I pack a lot of, I'm not saying what day it is in case like people ring up and say, hey.
1: <laughs> now we know which day to get know, you. So this is your golden day where you pack a lot more in than the other day. Right.
2: So I can it's agree like to things Friday. that are, you know, breakfasts or, mm. you know, or after hours things or, you know, that's, that's the day that I tend to nominate where I can just kind of know that that stuff is in someone else's hands and just, you know organize myself, um, for work. I mean, the other days, um, I mean, I still get a lot of work done. It's just a question of, um, triaging the day, you know, and working out, like trying to pack things into the middle of the day and then seeing what I can um, put off till sort of 8pm. Yeah.
1: Mm. It's interesting because before you wrote this book about Mm. how women, um, you know, kind of have been having a a tougher time than this. And it is a question we never ask men. I don't know how you do it. Um,
2: I know well, that's you did... We assume how they do it, and we're normally right. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> Which is why this podcast about women. But um, you, I was glad when you did that series when you had a little baby, and you wrote about uh, sometimes you just have to get a politician to hold your baby, yeah. or you change the baby's nappy on a politician's yeah. you know, desk or floor or something. So you were taking it right to the heart of power. This issue, weren't well, you? And
2: yeah, it was. Like in... We want. We need that visibility when twenty twelve. 2012... Uh so I had um actually it was twenty thirteen. I had my daughter in December twenty twelve and then she was a Christmas baby and then um somehow the, the production for our next series of kitchen cabinets sort of was brought forward. So we were kind of in production from about, I don't know, February or something. And I, you know, in my idiotic postpartum state, said Oh sure I can manage that. And so And Kate was just a little little scrap, so she spent a lot of time just sleeping on my chest. So I would come into work and we'd have production meetings and she'd just be on my chest. I'd just be on my feet and kind of swaying, rocking, and she'd be sleeping away. Um, And, look, I didn't really think twice about it, actually. Um, Looking back, I just think I have no idea how that worked and um, I remember this terrible... You don't even know how you did it yourself. (laughs) No, and and it's the way at the time I thought, yeah, yeah, that's doable. I mean, keep in mind I had help, right? I yeah. had help because I had um, I had an au pair living at home. I had my partner, so like I had people, and that's you know when I say that women me- need wives, I think modern women tend to build wives out of various composite parts, right? It's like a Frankenwife, you know. <laughs> you've got you know you've got a, um, a helpful sibling <laughs> or parent or you know, your partner is your first building block, obviously. And then you've got, you know, um, if you're in a position to have a a nanny or an au pair, that makes it, you know, unbelievably easier. Um, So, you know, you kind of go day by day building yourself assistance. And I remember one terrible day where we were were going out to Malcolm Turnbull's place to film. And um, Kate, my baby would not go in a car. She's a real car screamer, lovely baby in every way, except just could not go in a car. So we, we started building the series around places that we could get to by train. <laughs> so we went out to Malcolm Turnbull's <laughs> place by train because of my baby. It turned into quite a nice sequence really. Yeah. Um, and my producer, Madeline, then for that whole series held my baby while we were filming, so she would actually be coordinating the episode. She'd have a remote earpiece in her ear and be walking up and down the street outside where we were filming, listening into the interview. Walking with my, ba- I mean, talk about um, you having great workmates
1: for that. <laughs> well, look. I'm- yeah,
2: she was amazing. <laughs> it's in a job description she is now. amazing.
1: See the help of other women's another powerful uh-huh, thing yeah. we haven't talked about. So let's get to the kitchen though, because you are an
2: incredible cook. Well, I'm not an incredible you cook. You are. It looks better on TV, to be honest. No, I had takes your food. F- you're good. All right, well, thank I you. I know you're good. I love when you cook. turn
1: the oven on, I,
2: <laughs> I cooked once for Sarah. It was a slow baked. <laughs> Lamb or something was it? Hilarious! I don't eat lamb, but I like to cook for others. And um, yeah, the 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 oven I switched off inadvertently halfway through the cooking process. How do you keep cooking
1: enjoyable? And not make it a battleground, which it often is in the home.
2: Oh, just planning. Like I do a lot of stuff early in the morning. I love things that um, slow cook, you know, and can then then I love to have something ready, you know, so that when I get home I can kind of hang out with the kids or whatever. I like to – I I love cooking. I love the process. I find it relaxing. I find it – Kind of absorbing. I, nothing makes me actually happier than to be in my kitchen cooking with my kids around, helping, and you know that that makes me happiest.
1: So you make it part of your part of your yeah yeah. yeah. Since you wrote the wife drought, I'm sure you've had a lot of men and women coming yep. up to you and telling you their stories and everything. And so, what has it taught you about how people are doing it in this modern
2: age? How they are kind of keeping the beautiful chaos together. Well, the, the, the single greatest response I've had from the book is from men, I reckon. That's the stuff that's made me the happiest. That's what I've you had, wanted. I've had so many responses from blokes and um, I hope, you know, they've been really encouraging. You know, it makes me think that there is a generation of men who are up for changing this. And I think... People often ask me stuff like, what can governments do? Well, it's not a government thing. It's an attitude thing. It's about individuals and organisations checking their own assumptions and allowing the possibility that people want to do things a bit differently from the way they assume they want to do things. And that very much has to include um, making it possible for men to say, I want to work differently after I have children. We assume women will do that. We assume accurately that women will do that. But we sort of assume that men won't. And I think that that is the gap where change will come.
1: Okay. And what about for you, like self-care? What gets you through? What can you not miss? Is it exercise? Is it your, your cooking? Is it friendship? Is it wine? Uh, a little <laughs> is it from all column of A, B, C
2: and D. Friendship <laughs> is really important. And... um Writing is really important for me. You know, reading and writing is like a place where I let my brain do different things and that I find really, really therapeutic. One thing I wish I did less of was worry. Like I just worry all the time. I fill spaces with worry. I feel like I really sometimes I spend so much energy on worrying that I wish I could turn it into productive time.
1: (laughs) You could light up the country. That old
2: 3 a.m. worry <laughs> slot, you know, where you wake up and you're like bzz, 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 everything from, are my children polite enough to, um, you know, what if I really mess up this thing, or, you know. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. I wish I could really banish that so one. So turn
1: off the worry and you probably have an extra couple of hours a day. Exactly. Annabelle Crabbe, thanks so much.
2: A pleasure. (laughs) Lovely to see you. This
1: has been I Don't Know How She Does It and we've been talking to Annabel Crabb and her book is called The Wife Drought, if you'd like to look it up, Why Women Need Wives and Men Need Lives. Thanks for your company and uh, you can download more of I Don't Know How She Does It podcasts on iTunes or on SoundCloud.